Okay, we have done our uh, quieting the mind uh, exercise with photos of others, and so now it's uh, time to go on to the next phases of the exercise. And the uh, second phase of uh, all the exercises in this training are uh, direct. Now, with the rest of the exercises, we do this in two parts. One is sitting in a circle and everybody looking at each other from a distance, and then uh, the second part is uh, working with a partner one-to-one. Because when we are actually with people directly, then uh, the energy is much stronger. It's much more challenging. So although we follow this procedure and the other exercises, for this first part here with a quiet mind, it uh, is not appropriate to do this. This is because uh, if we don't have the caring attitude, then uh, just the quiet mind looking at each other uh, makes a lot of people very uncomfortable. It's a bit, you get the impression that it's a bit judgmental, it's a bit cold, it's a bit distant. And so uh, we don't do it this way for this first part. So as a substitute for that, what I have people do is to just look at me for this exercise and try to look at me with silent mind because it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable to have a lot of people looking at me. It goes on all the time anyway. (laughs) And I will just look down at the floor because it may make you uncomfortable if I look back. For the people who are all the way in the back, then if you can't see me clearly, please stand up or come closer. Right, but uh, it would be better not to look at me in the television, but to look at me live. There's quite a difference between television and the live person. Okay. Anyway, everybody's okay? Actually, to make it easier, I'll stand up. Okay, so let us... That's a very good example of what you need to quiet down is any type of associations or jokes or humorous things that one might see with a person. Okay, first, let's just quiet down. And then, when I stand up, please uh, look at me with a quiet mind, using the various methods that we've learned.
And let the experience settle. And focus on the breath. And sit down. Interesting, isn't it? Is there a difference between when I was not moving and when I was moving? It's funny how we tend to uh, be like a, a sports announcer and uh, describe everything in our heads. It's when grave. something is happening. It's very silly, isn't it? You know, in a sport yeah. event, you know, in a basketball game or something. And also, uh, how quickly were you able to recover? When I made a sudden motion, were you able to just let that pass? As I say, one gets a little bit of insight, a taste of how our minds work and how all this noise goes on by looking at these different situations, right? especially when things happen around us. It's amazing how much we comment about it rather than just seeing it and then dealing with it, and dealing with it, not just observe, but to deal with it. Uh, again, the uh, Dharma method, I mean, this is what's called the Prasangita method in uh, the technical terms, of taking things to their absurd conclusion. It's helpful here, I mean, if we can notice that, you know, what am I doing? Am I, am I a radio commentator that I'm reporting it to the world, everything that's going on, and commenting on everything? I mean, what a colossal waste of time and what a big distance that puts me between observe, you know, noticing something and responding. So this is something that uh, we start to work on. It's a little quiet. That. We don't need the radio commentator, but nor do we need the complainer in our head that's complaining about everything and criticizing and judging everything that we see either. 
how many times when we're driving, uh, we see somebody else driving and we think, you know, what an idiot. <laughs> or stronger. <laughs> or then we go on and on. You know, we don't even just, uh, you know, leave it at one statement like that. But, uh, even after we pass them or whatever, we continue this mental comment. I mean, if you're really an expert at this, then when you're on the highway and you're behind the slow-moving truck, it takes quite a long while before you can pass the truck. You can do that with a silent mind and not <laughs> make all sorts of comments about this truck. Then you're really good at this. <laughs> Very challenging, isn't it? Okay. So, anyway... <laughs> Let's go on uh, with the uh, third phase, which is uh, to have a, uh, a quiet mind directed at ourselves. And the way that we uh, actually this exercise we do in three parts, getting starting from gentle to more challenging. First phase, uh, the first step, I should say, is to look at our hands with a silent mind. Yep. Right, you know, look at both sides of the hands, turn them around, and so on, without commenting about what they look like, or your nails, or how beautiful, or how ugly, or whatever. But look at your hands, with a silent mind. Okay? First, we, silent, we quiet down. And then we look at our hands with a silent mind, applying the three methods. Not only do we need to quiet the mental comments, but also sometimes waves of irrelevant emotions may come up as well. To both sides, moving.
Okay, put your hands back down and let the experience settle. and focus on the breath. Interesting, isn't it? Any questions? Any comments? I have found uh, during throughout the weekend uh, very interesting and very helpful all these exercises because I. Uh, I'm amazed at realizing how much noise there is in my head that I didn't know beforehand. But then this uh, doubt raised on, on my mind when we were doing the exercise of you standing up and then walking and so forth, trying not to, to make comments took me to the uh, position of being indifferent to other person, to, to his activities or whatever. So I'm confused and I'm a little afraid of uh, not being able to see the the border, yeah, the frontier between between not doing comments and being indifferent towards others. So that's well, what I want to be clarified, please. Well, again, this is only one half. Unfortunately, we exist in linear time, and we can only learn one half at a time. We can't learn both halves at the same time. So the caring attitude takes care of this indifference. You can't just have the observing. That's why, you know, so very often some people, when they follow Buddhist practice, they just only do a practice of sitting and observing the breath or observing the feelings in the body and so on. If that's the only thing they do, then this is really uh, very, very imbalanced. So in the Theravada tradition in which you have this type of vipassana, it's called the uh, meditation of just a, 
you know, observing the feelings and the breath and so on. It's always balanced with what's called meta-meditation on love and compassion. Can't have just one. So he says that during the hand exercise, he was able to quiet his mind during seeing his hand, but at the same time while, uh, while seeing his hand, then an itch started on here, and then another itch in his ear, and then, I mean, itches all around uh, different parts of the body, and, uh, and I, this is the question, could I apply the method of letting go, riding on water to those itches? Because he says, I cannot apply those methods. methods. Well, those are not the easiest methods to apply with that. There are, first of all, there's no reason why you can't scratch. You're not doing some really strict Zen meditation that you're not supposed to move or else you get beaten with a stick. We're not doing that. That's for another purpose. The, uh, I mean, there are other methods that we can use if it uh, would be inappropriate to uh, scratch, which would be, for instance, I mean, this comes much later in the uh, training, that uh, just to realize that it's a feeling. I mean, that's yeah. all it is. It's only a feeling and, you know, no big deal. So that's one method to use. I mean, with the methods that we've learned, then what you would breathe out would be, I mean, you can't just breathe out the itch. That's not going to go away. But the tension that you have inside about it and thinking about it and making that your main focus of attention. But I mean, in real life, you know, there's some occasions where it's okay to scratch. Other occasions, like you're carrying a big heavy tray full of uh, dishes and so on, where you can't scratch. You have to wait until you get to wherever you're going and put the thing down. So we deal with it. You need to deal with it. <laughs> you know, you're carrying the baby, taking care of the baby. You don't just <laughs> drop the baby in order to scratch your nose. <laughs> It's a matter also of how much attention you pay. You know, if your attention is mostly on the baby, then in a sense the itch almost goes away. Yeah, there's one more question. Could you uh, go a little more in depth of uh, on uh, why is it that Prasangika school takes things to absurd and? Uh, uh, why is that method like that? And if uh, that method of taking things to absurd can be applied to all that we are doing now here? Well, I don't want to get into the, the deep analysis of why they use this. I mean, that gets very, very complicated in terms of the, the inherent existence of logic in the universe. That, that gets very, very uh, deep and profound. Like whether there is something inherent in the universe that makes it logical. The that's, that's a very the deep the metaphysical. The but because the Prasangikas do not accept that there is something inherent in the universe that, you know, from its own side makes it logical, therefore they uh, use this method of absurd conclusions. Yeah. Well, let me explain it. They use the uh, this absurd the method of of absurd conclusions, basically because when you see where your line of reasoning is leading to, and you see the absurdity of it, then just on the basis of that, you say this is ridiculous, and you don't continue in that way of thinking. Although they use it, uh, I mean, in the actual philosophy, it's used much more in terms of you know logical absurdities that would follow from our line of reasoning. From my own way of thinking, it can also be applied in terms of images. So the image of, you know, uh, when somebody comes, you know, am I acting like a puppy dog just jumping up and down and so excited to see them, or am I like a human being? One last question, and then we'll go on to 
Tenemos una última pregunta y vamos a... Tenemos preguntas después, pero me gustaría hacer la segunda y tercera fase de este ejercicio. Me faltan las... Pero es demasiado para hacer cada fase, back to back. Necesitas un poco de break. She wants to comment us that she has been having a very difficult time just staying here. She feels very, uh, she, she feels a lot of anxiety and she feels the strong need of eva evasion, evasion, because as it is, uh, so to say, forbidden or trying not to make comments on what's going on, she finds it almost impossible not to make either comments, stories, projection, projections, or anything that would give her some kind of uh, interpretation, personal interpretation to all the uh, events that are unfolding uh, here. So she, uh, uh, she finds it very difficult either to stay awake or even to stay here. She's... Uh, Mm -hmm. She's more with the urge to leave the, mm -hmm. the, the room because she cannot give coherent interpretation according to her own logics mm -hmm. and way of feeling or thinking mm -hmm. to everything that's going on. Right. Well, what you bring up some very, very good points which need clarification. First of all, we're talking about not making, and, and perhaps this wasn't clear in the explanation, we're talking about quieting disruptive, unnecessary comments. We're not talking about stop thinking or stop evaluating things. But uh, what we're talking about is how to stop compulsive noise in our head so that we can think clearly. So we are, but, but we are, I mean, the important sentence is that uh, We're quieting down so that we can think clearly. So we certainly don't want to eliminate our evaluation of things. Ciertamente. That is the basis of discriminating awareness, which is called wisdom, Ciert usually the way it's translated. Also, I mean, this gets into the whole topic of what is thinking. And very often in the West, we identify thinking with a mental verbal process. And in fact, that's quite slow and inefficient if we have to actually verbalize every step of our thinking process. And so by uh, seeing how uh, a lot of the verbal energy in our heads is really quite unnecessary, it helps us to be able to think faster so that we can respond more immediately rather than having to have this, what should we say, this, this time lag in which we have to verbalize the whole thing in our head in order to figure out what to do. You know, you're able to walk into a room and just looking, you can evaluate what's going on, what the situation is, and how I need to act. From a Tibetan Buddhist point of view, that is a thinking process. But it doesn't necessarily have to be verbalized in our head. If you verbalize it, it takes much, much longer. Now, also, the, the first point that you brought up was uh, also extremely important, which is that in this whole process, we don't want to be like a, a police person, that I shouldn't think or I shouldn't verbalize. You know, this is introducing a whole different perspective of ethics, and which is uh, really quite uh, inappropriate to this type of training, but natural because it comes from our cultural background. It's a judgmental attitude. You know, if I think, then I'm bad. I'm not following the instructions. Right? In uh, our Western context, ethics is basically an issue of obedience. Obey the laws. So, either the laws are heavenly laws, so this is the biblical background, or they are legislated laws. This is the uh, ancient Greek background of our tradition. But when we come to a training like this, then coming from this background, naturally, we look at it in terms of, you know, well, here's the instructions, and to be a good practitioner or to really be able to have sensitive, you know, balanced relations, I have to follow the laws. 
And so then naturally, if we look at it in terms of following the law and, obe and being obedient, then that brings in the policeman, and it brings in the judge. And it brings in guilt. And it brings in a tremendous amount of feeling restrained that, oh, you know, now, now I have to be good and I have to have an internal policeman and all of that. So this type of approach naturally makes us feel quite uncomfortable with the training. And it's very helpful that you pointed that out because I'm sure many people feel that. So this is relevant not only to this type of training but to any type of Buddhist training, a lot of people feel very uncomfortable for this reason. Now, Buddhist approach is ethics is based not on obedience, but uh, it's based on discriminating awareness, discriminating between what's helpful and what's harmful. So, we receive a certain explanation in terms of uh, the sensitivity imbalances that it's imbalance, you have difficult relationships. If it's more balanced, you have less difficult uh, relationships. And then we're given certain methods for being able to do this. Again, we evaluate it. So how do you evaluate it? You see, well, if we consider Buddha a valid source of information, then did Buddha say anything that contradicts this? Right, then we evaluate it from the point of view of logic. Is it logic? If logical, that if I'm judging and commenting and uh, thinking about all sorts of other things, that it makes it very difficult to relate to somebody and say, directly. Well, is that logical or not? Well, yeah, I, don't, I don't pay attention. And then we evaluate it from our experience. We look at our experience we've been doing here. We look at our experience and see how much noise is in our head. And we try it out, you know, using the method and see that if... We follow the method, you know, from our own experience. Does it work to make it a little bit easier in our relationships? But with the, I, I can't think of the word, but with the provision, proviso, that of course our experience is going to go up and down. It's not going to work all the time. And based on that, then it's our choice. Nobody says you have to do this. Uh, it's our choice. You want to follow it, you find it beneficial, you follow it. Why? Because it's you have discriminated but from your own, you know, you're convinced that it's helpful. If you don't find it helpful, forget about it. So, we see this whole approach to ethics, basically, in terms of hurting others or ignoring others and so on. It's an approach to ethics. It is not at all based on obedience to laws. A very, very different approach, the Buddhist approach. Now, what happens is that even when we know this, when we understand this, because of our cultural conditioning, just automatically, unconsciously, it comes up, this obedience ethic. And so it really taints our practice, you know, because then you meditate out of guilt, and if you don't meditate, you feel guilty, and the whole relation with the teacher becomes one of obedience, and, I mean, it really gets very, very messed up. So uh, one has to work with this understanding of what really is the Buddhist approach. And especially one has to watch out for this with a spiritual teacher. If we are having difficulties in our relation with a teacher, then we have to see, you know, well, is, you know, my discomfort... My difficulty uh, with this coming because I'm looking at the whole relationship in terms of an obedience-based ethics? If it is, we need to see that that's inappropriate. The ethic is based on discriminating awareness between what's correct and what's incorrect, what's appropriate and what's inappropriate, what's helpful and what's not helpful. It never is the relationship based on obedience. That's a different culture between what's helpful, what's harmful, what's useful, what's not useful, what accords with the Dharma, what does not accord with the Dharma. So, thank you for bringing these points up. They're very important and very helpful. Now, it would be nice to do the last two parts of the exercise before we need to leave. So, let us do them.
So, now we get to the mirror. This is quite challenging. Now, the exercise is uh, very interesting because we can already see people looking in the mirror and adjusting their hair and so on. That's not what we are trying to do here. Hmm. What uh, we want to do with the mirror is to just be able to see ourselves. Like a, well, I mean, eventually we'll come to see ourselves like a human being. Because you see ourselves without judging, without, you know, like this, and oh my God, how fat, or how old, or how thin, or all of that. Just uh, see. <laughs> right? Because then, if our minds are silent without the judgmental factors, we can see that, you know, you know, I'm looking tired or whatever, and then we can deal with it, take a rest. Porque but si. if you start to, you know, look at it and then, oh my God, I'm so tired, blah, 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 and you go on and on and on, that's not helpful at all. All right, yeah. so there's a difference between discriminating and judging. All right, the judging usually has all the verbal stuff that comes on, which is really very unhelpful. So even when we look at ourselves and we don't say, oh, my hair is, you know, out of place, and we do like that. We, even if we do that silently, there's a, a nonverbal judgment there. So we need to breathe out nonverbal things as well. Not just verbal. I mean, of course, we could analyze behind that, you know, uh, the idea I have to look attractive, I have to be, you know, all of that. Desde luego, hay mucho behind hay mucho all of this uh, constant preoccupation with how our hair looks. <laughs> okay, so let's just try simply to be able to look at ourselves in the mirror without commenting. Ah, just quiet so and emotionally calm. Right? And remember, I mean, if uh, we experience a bit of, you know, dissociation here, you, know, you can't even relate to who this is we see in the mirror, we will be adding... You know, you need to have the second step, the caring attitude. Otherwise, you're too dissociated. So this is just the first half. Okay, so let's first quiet down. And then we look at ourselves in the mirror with a quiet mind. And as with the picture, try to hold the mirror up a little bit, because if it's down in our laps, you get dizzy. And we just see ourselves the way we are. We're just seeing fact. No need to judge or comment or complain. And use the three methods that we learn to quiet the mind. Remember to let go of the non-verbal judgments as well.
Then we put down the mirror and let the experience settle. And focus on the breath. Okay. For most people, this is even more challenging than what we've done before. Are you able to do it a little bit? Good. Now, although it would be nice to have a little bit of a interval between the mirror exercise and the photos from the past exercise, we're running out of time for our uh, uh, seminar. And so uh, let's just go on to the next the, and final exercise so that at least we get a little bit of a taste of the uh, steps of the training. So again, the uh, procedure is the same. We want to uh, be able to look at ourselves from the past and also think of ourselves uh, in the past without being judgmental, without making comments, to just be able to deal with ourselves in the past in a balanced way. So, again we quiet down. And then we look at the photos with a quiet mind. If we have no photos of ourselves from the past, just think of ourselves from the past.
Okay, and then we look down. And let the experience settle. and focus on the breath. Okay, so we have just a few minutes uh, for some final questions or comments. Yeah, Aida? So as a conclusion that I can have from all these weekend seminar, that all these exercises is that I have uh, realized that uh, most of the uh, judgmental attitude that is going in my head, either uh, referring to others or to myself, has to be with things either I don't like about them or me, or I don't accept about them or me. And that makes me be very judgmental, and uh, then I come into the relationship with this attitude and this causes problems. After doing all these exercises, I'm being able to some extent to, uh, to quiet down my uh, mind and all of these uh, judgments about uh, people. It gives me a sensation of much more relaxation and uh, uh, gives me the opportunity to relate to others and to myself from an other point of view, not with such strong rejection. Right. Yes, I mean, when we quiet down, the quiet mind, then this forms the basis for, as I said, for many good qualities. One is acceptance. But uh, also, uh, remember, acceptance doesn't mean just uh, passively accepting. When we talk about uh, accepting, what this means is to uh, accept the reality of a situation or of uh, what's going on with another person, as opposed to, let's say, they're acting uh, um, 
in a very uh, unpleasant, abusive way. To accept it means to not deny it, not to wish that it weren't happening and so you don't even want to see it. But once you accept that this is the reality, then you use discriminating awareness. This is appropriate or inappropriate and I need to deal with it in this or that way. It's important. not just passively, well, accept it and you know, shut up. Right? This pertains to ourself as well. We, uh, if we quiet down and really observe, we uh, may notice, for instance, that we are overworked, we're you know, really overtired, and so on. So rather than denying that, one accepts the reality of it, but doesn't, you know, one doesn't just say, okay, so I'll live with that. One discriminates that you know, if this is not healthy for me, then I need to do something about it. Anyone else? Fernando? When I was looking at other people, uh, I felt like I was in control. I can manage the situation very well. When I was looking at myself, like uh, I felt, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> My anxiety levels start to climb. And I felt uh, <laughs> I wasn't able to control the situation, and uh, I realized the um, duality between me and the rest of the, of the universe. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. That's very, very good. This is uh, part of the process of identifying the source of our difficulties. If we conceive of our experience in terms of me inside, who is the controller and who has to be in control, then it's very difficult to have uh, balanced relationships with anything. Because so with our work, with other people, with ourselves, and so on. So there's a great deal of the training which is focused on, over, on changing our perspective in terms of our experience. We want to change it from either being the observer, the removed observer, or the controller, both of which are imply a duality of a me separate from everything else, that I'm going to control it or I'm going to sit back and observe it, and to change our perspective to a much more direct and healthy way of dealing with things. So it's good to start to recognize you know, what are the various things that uh, actually are making us very uncomfortable? The tension that you uh, describe. I mean, it's very interesting the, uh, when you start to put these things together. You know, the obedience issue, policeman issue, which is makes us uncomfortable, fits actually quite harmoniously with the controller issue, doesn't it? Last question, Ultima Pregunta. She has a very practical question. She comes from Jalapa, and after this seminar finished, she's going back to Jalapa, so she won't be able to be here next weekend. So how can she go on with the training, uh, uh, or, or at least with what we're going to see here next week? Would it be worthwhile to see the videos, or listen to the tapes, or, or what do you suggest in order for her to be able to keep on doing this? Well, certainly, you know, getting the tapes or the videos would be very helpful to uh, at least get the second leg so that we're not hopping on one leg. Hmm. But if you know, we really want to uh, go ahead with this type of training, then in various places, you know, in different countries, even including here in Mexico City, there have been groups that start doing the training. So there's a, a book, and it's fairly clear, I think, from the book How to Practice, and uh, there's a revised edition of that that I can provide you with. There's the beginning level, uh, you know, it's not uh, completely corrected, but a Spanish translation, and form a group and go ahead, if that's something that, uh, you know, you would be interested in. And as you do the training, if you have questions and so on, ask me. It's email. And if you're working with the English, I can supply a revised edition. The Spanish uh, uh, version is from the revised edition. It hasn't been published yet in English. Hmm. There is one group in Mexico City already. One can draw on their experience as well. 
The only thing that I would recommend, not the only thing, but one of the things that I would recommend is that the group, it's best if it's not more than about maybe 15, 20 people at the most. If it's too large, it's a little bit unmanageable. It's better to make two smaller groups. Just in terms of, you know, there's so much emotion that comes up in the training, people feel more comfortable if it's a smaller group. Una recomendación práctica. Hmm. I think, I mean, maybe this is different in different cultures, just, you know, in some cultures maybe a larger group is uh, is better, but uh, my experience with uh, most cultures is that 15, 20 is a uh, much more manageable Desde size. Luego. And that size, you don't feel it, you know, You don't have some people feel that they're always off in the corner and nobody listens to them, if you know what I mean. Okay, so next week, I mean, I was going to give a little bit of an introduction, but there really isn't time. We'll work on the caring attitude, right? But uh, putting it in very, very, very brief, we're working with uh, the initial recognition is that you're a human being and have feelings just as I do. And if we can, you know, recognize that in other people and see them in this way, then that helps very much because the way that I treat you is going to affect your feelings just as the way that you treat me affects my feelings. And uh, likewise, we have this toward ourselves, you know, that have feelings, you know, for people that... Uh, are in denial, or uh, in terms of their feelings, or insensitive to their feelings, and so on. This is very important to recognize I'm a human being, just like everybody else. You know, and I have to take care of myself, just as I take care of others. And uh, if I'm emotionally hurt or whatever, take that seriously. Well, that's important you know, in terms of dealing with it, not just suppress it or that's deny it. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes... We mask our inner hurts with an emotional display of feelings, you know, everything's so wonderful and I love everybody, blah, 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 all of this. But actually, this is a, a smokescreen, in a sense, masking over an inner hurt and an inner, you know, a, a denial of what's really going on inside. So the basis for being able to deal with that is respect for ourselves and Recognition that I am a human being and I do have feelings, just like anybody else. Okay, so, if you'd like to come for the next weekend, you're certainly most invited. And also, for people who have not attended this weekend, it's not a prerequisite for next weekend, because the training and the caring, just as learning this side of the basis is uh, beneficial Uh, likewise, the other side is beneficial as well, even if it's not directly supplemented with going to a course. You can supplement it with reading or with tapes and so on. Okay, so let's end with the dedication. And the dedication is uh, needs to be appropriate to our original motivation. So if we came with the uh, aim to learn these methods in order to... Uh, be able to improve this lifetime, or just thinking, you know, in a non-Buddhist type of context, then we make this dedication. Yes, you know, may this go deeper and deeper, and may I be able to apply it in my daily lives to make more balanced relationships. And if we are uh, practicing, if, we, if our aim was to uh, take more steps in the safe direction toward liberation and enlightenment, whether... We're doing this from a Dharma light or an actual Dharma perspective. Then we dedicate, you know, may whatever positive force or understanding we've gained contribute as a cause for achieving enlightenment to be able to be of best help to everyone. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs>